Welcome back. I know uh, heating is probably the last thing on your mind today and tomorrow with the temperature going to be 80 degrees. But in a week from now, you'll be thinking about it for sure. And the folks at the National Fire Protection Association certainly want to make sure you do that and everything else in your home safely at this upcoming heating season. So communications manager Susan McKelvey has graciously uh, volunteered to come on over and tell us all about that. Great to see you, Susan. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. Um, we've uh, been happy to feature the NFPA here in this program for many uh, many years now. Yeah. Based right over in Battery March Park in That's West Quincy, right? right? Yeah. Yes, we are neighbors. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit, if you can, first about what the NFPA is, what it does, and, sure. uh, and how folks can benefit from it. Sure. So um, NFPA is a nonprofit, self-funded organization that has been around for more than 125 years. Um, and we work to protect people and property um, essentially through the development of more than 300 technical codes and standards and through public education outreach. Literally, you are the gold standard uh, for fire prevention and safety. Um, fire departments all across the country, maybe the world? We are a global organization, okay. yes. So um, countries around the globe use our codes and standards. Yes. Yes, so and, our, and our information as well. Right. So when say locally here in Quincy a, a fire prevention officer from the fire department goes out to inspect you know a, a home or, or a commercial building they're using the codes that the NFPA has developed to make sure that they adhere to those standards possibly so yeah. there are other organizations that do develop oh. codes and standards so it's not necessarily NFPA codes and standards but guess a lot of jurisdictions on a local level um, or a statewide level or regional level will use our codes or even on a federal level our codes and standards oh, okay. but not 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 it's not always the case okay yeah <laughs> but uh it's probably one of the go-to ones i'm sure yes for 125 absolutely years. yes yes yeah uh but you also do public outreach like we just saw with dan doofus uh, yeah you know, that's right so our, yeah. yep our largest um, public awareness campaign of the year is fire prevention week which just um happened earlier this month right um so that's a huge effort it really at its core is a grassroots campaign um we rely heavily on local fire departments to take the campaign and its messaging um, and deliver that and bring it to life in their communities. And they do an amazing job of that. That campaign is just a huge success each year in large part due to the support and enthusiasm of fire departments that um, make sure that communities you know, learn about the um, information we're hoping that we can pass along and get people better educated about specific um, home fire safety messages. Yeah, absolutely. Probably one of the most visible uh, icons of the NFPA is Sparky. Sparky, yeah. yes. Sparky the fire dog. Right. He is beloved by people of all ages, yeah. kids and adults alike. Yeah. Well, he makes frequent appearances at all kinds of public events, he parades, uh, athletic events, things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. He is a very friendly and popular dog. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. Does the NFPA also work with the, uh, the schools, uh, public schools? Um, some work is done through schools, but again, a lot of times in coordination with fire departments or local community partners um, who work to take our information and deliver okay. it to schools. Uh, we don't have the bandwidth to do that, yeah. um, but because we have strong networks with um, public educators yep. and safety advocates and local safety officials, um, we work with closely on the public education side to make sure that we give them what they need to reach schools as effectively as yep. possible. So you're really a resource clearinghouse for, for information like Yes. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, we're not thinking about turning the heat on today or tomorrow. It's right. unseasonably warm, yes. but uh, the, the extended forecast, uh, we will be doing it next week for sure. I want folks to do it safely, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, heating is a leading cause of home fires. It's the second leading cause That's of really? um, home fires in the U.S., in fact. So you really have to make sure that your heating systems are in good working order. And this is actually a great time to do it because, mm -hmm. like you said, we really have even it's really warm now and it's been pretty mild. Um, so we haven't had to kick in our um, heating systems, but we will, you yeah. know, it's going to be getting cooler. <laughs> that's, that's right. So you, this is a time to make sure that they're in good working order, have them inspected and cleaned if necessary by a qualified professional. You know, if you do use things like space heaters, make sure that they are in good working order as well. Yep. Give space heaters space. Yes, yeah. at least three feet. Three feet. Yes. Okay, it's good to know. And I know probably try not to use them at all really is the best thing. You, you know, they can be effective for heating small spaces, but you have to use them really carefully. Yeah. Again, you do want to make sure they're in good working order and that you follow the mangers manufacturer's instructions for usage. You also want to make sure that, like we were saying, at least three feet away from anything okay. that can burn. The majority of home heating fires involve space heaters, so they are a really big source of the heating fire problem. Okay. Um, so you want to use them with care and caution. Mm. The other thing is you want to make sure that you turn them off when you leave the room or you go to sleep. You don't want to use um, heat, uh, space heaters in your bedroom. Right. So a lot of you know, things that you have to keep in mind, but you can use them um, if, if you use them properly and within those guidelines, okay. you can really reduce the All risk right. of having a heating fire. Don't leave them unattended, certainly. Definitely right? don't leave yep. them unattended. You know, you want to make sure that kids and pets are uh, remain well away yep. from them. And again, when you're not there to monitor them, turn them off. And unplug them, too. Probably. And, yeah, that's yeah. always a good idea to unplug them as well, yes. Um, I know it's been stressed before. Don't use um, extension cords. Shouldn't use extension right. cords. Yeah, you want to make sure that you have um, the proper electricity um, to power them properly yep. and safely. Don't plug them into a power strip. You know, I mean, right. all this is listed, as you mentioned. It is. A manufacturer's instructions often yeah. say that. And, again, you really want to follow the manufacturer's instructions carefully. Okay. Uh, something else that we will be doing more of uh, very soon is cooking indoors. Yes. Is that the number one cause? Cooking is the number one yeah. cause of uh, home fires, and unattended cooking is the leading cause of cooking okay. fires. So the really important thing to remember is when you're cooking, make sure that you keep a close eye on what you're on the stovetop, or even if you're you know, cooking something in the oven. You really want to make sure that you have the time and ability to stay focused, which sounds so simple. I know, right? Yep. It's such a simple message, but the reality of our lives is we're all incredibly busy. We're all multitasking. We're trying to do a million things at once, and it's really hard to get distracted. I've found over the years, you know, sometimes you think you're going to be away for a moment, and then something else happens, and you're away longer than you think. So you really have to be mindful of that and then plan accordingly. Yep. It's, you know, there's so much emphasis on distracted driving, rightfully so, mm -hmm. uh, but distracted cooking well, could be equally are, as dangerous. Well, our phones are our yeah. best friends. You yeah. know, we use them all the time, and, you know, we it's easy to, it's easy to get caught up in something else, but get, keeping in mind that cooking um, is the leading cause of home fires hopefully will give people pause to realize that they do need to really pay attention to what they're cooking um, and not leave the area. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if there is a fire, Susan, does the NFPA have recommendations for what to do? So at NFPA, our priority is people's safety. Yes. So the main message is if there is a fire that you, you know, think is putting you or anyone in your household at any kind of risk, get out, okay. call the fire department for assistance. However, if you have a small stove, you know, pan fire, you always want to keep a lid nearby so that you can carefully extinguish it and yeah. then turn the heat source off immediately. If you can... 
um, let the pan cool down and then wait for the fire to go out. You know, you can carefully check the lid to make sure it is, then that's great. Mm -hmm. But again, if there's any sense that you are in danger or there's any risk, you really want to make sure the priority is your safety. You know, we always say things can be replaced, but people can't. That's so so that's, yeah. that's the priority. And things can go bad very, very, very quickly. Very quickly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, and fires spread fast. So, you know, that you always want to play it safe. Call the fire department for help. Absolutely. Which leads us to our next topic of uh, escaping safely mm -hmm. from your home, right? Yes. So, Today's home fires burn faster than ever. Yeah. Um, you know, you used to have a lot more time from the time the smoke alarm sound to get out. Now you may have as little as two minutes or less to escape safely from the time a smoke alarm sounds in a typical home fire. So, you know, it, making sure that you have a plan in place to use that time wisely is really critical to safety. And unfortunately, I think sometimes because it sounds so basic and we all think, well, we know our home. I'll um, just go out the door, I'll right? Just, right. Yeah. But in a fire, it's not your typical circumstances. Right. It may well be at night. You know, um, because our homes are um, furnished with a lot of products um, and they're made with um, materials of, that have synthetic um, materials and fibers in them, the way fire burns in those circumstances is it generates um, toxic black smoke and gases. And in the really short window of time, and I mean seconds, wow. you, it makes it hard to see and breathe. Yes. And so you have a really small opportunity to get out safely. And again, it's not just you, it's everyone else in your household. So you want to make sure everyone knows what to do when the smoke alarm is sounding and there's a fire. It's, that's, it's too late to make a plan then. You really have to have a plan in advance. And again, because we have such a small window of time to get out safely in most circumstances, you really want to make sure you can do that. Think you can use that time as wisely as yeah. possible. And the best way to do that is to practice it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So we encourage people to practice a home escape plan at least twice a year and to do it in different circumstances. Yes. Do it at night when it's dark and everyone can't see. Um, but some of the critical elements of a plan include marking two exits from each room in your home. That's typically a door and a window. Mm -hmm. Um, and then having a path to the outside. If you have young children or someone in your home who need an older adult or someone else who needs added assistance, having a plan for who's responsible for which people, you know, who, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who's going to get whom, and make sure that they are um, assisted properly so they can get out safely. Those are critical elements of a plan. Also, having um, a meeting place outside where mm -hmm. everyone knows to go once they've escaped safely. You know, tragically, there have been incidents where someone thinks someone's inside and it turns out they're not, but they don't, can't, aren't accounting for them and someone goes back in to save someone else and then they get to, it's terrible things can happen. Yes. So it's really important for the fire department to know everyone's outside. If someone is inside who's not accounted for or you just know that someone's trapped inside, the fire department is equipped and trained to go inside a sure. burning building. We're not. So yep. the, the last message, or not the last, but one of the most important messages is once you're outside, stay outside. Okay. Uh, which brings me to uh, the consideration for pets. We hear oftentimes folks running back in, you know, pets are like family to a yes. lot of people. So have a plan for that too, right? You have a plan. So the, it's a tricky message yeah. um, because, we, yes, pets are like members of our family and we love them and we want to keep them safe. But in a fire situation, the priority is getting yourself and your household members out. And if you can safely and quickly escort a family pet out the door, then absolutely mm -hmm. do that but you don't want to lose 
precious minutes inside putting yourself at risk. Yeah. The other thing that's really important for people to consider is that pets are very resourceful in getting out of fires. Um, and again, some tragic situations where people have gotten in to save a pet the pet turns out the pet was outside right. and then they they don't get out right. so you have to have some faith you know your pet will do its best and then also again if you have a pet inside just like if you knew that there was a person in your home if there's a pet that you think is inside tell the fire department on you know when they arrive and they can see what they can do oh yeah we've heard many instances of firefighters rescuing pets. absolutely 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 yeah. uh, and as you say they are equipped to do that right they have the gear they, they have, have the gear the they apparatus. have the training yeah. we don't right Exactly. Uh, can we talk a little bit about alarms? You mentioned uh, yes. smoke alarms. There's so many different varieties now and choices. Um, what does the NFP recommend when it comes to alarms in your homes? So, you know, you, there are two basic types of smoke alarms. Um, so the best protection of all is to have a combination alarm that has um, photoelectric and ionization detection. A lot of alarm, smoke alarms do. Either will protect you adequately, but it's great to have what's called a combination alarm. Um, and you want to make sure that you have at least one smoke alarm on every level of your home in each bedroom and near all sleeping areas. So a lot of people don't know that you really need to have a, a smoke alarm in each bedroom. Um, and then for the best protection of all, they should be interconnected, whether mm -hmm. it's wireless or hardwired alarms, because that means when one alarm sounds, they all do. Okay. So particularly at night, if you're sleeping, let's say you're on your second floor and there was a fire, on your first floor or your basement even, um, when that alarm sounds, the alarm on the uh, second floor sounds too. So it gives you the most amount of time yes. to get out safely. That said, smoke alarms are designed to alert people in time to get out safely, giving you adequate protection regardless of the types that you have. Okay, all right. Is, is it new, that recommendation to have them actually in bedrooms? It isn't, but it's oh. a lesser known um, uh, requirement. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's in NFPA's uh, NFP 72, our fire alarm Your standard. Codes. Yes. Okay, interesting. Um, and does the NFP recommend any one particular type of alarm over another? Again, just the, the combination okay. is great because you have both types of detection okay. in one unit. Okay. Um, the other thing for people yep. to remember is that smoke alarms don't last forever. Ah, yes, that's, yes, go ahead and talk about that if you can. Yeah, yeah, so um, smoke alarms last up to, you know, 10 years. Okay. But I mean, sometimes they don't last quite as long, but even if it does, you really want to make sure you know um, when it's time to replace the alarm. So if you look on the back of the alarm, there's a date of manufacture, yes. and you want to make sure that you replace the alarm within 10 years of that date. Okay. I think people are confused by that sometimes. They look at that date and they say, oh, is that when it expires or is that when it was made? No, that shows the date of manufacture. Okay. So it's 10 years from that from date. From that date. Yes. Okay. So if I have one that's manufactured in 2023, it's by but 2033. It's, exactly. Replaced. And again, sometimes okay. they don't, they need to be replaced sooner than that. And okay. You know, you usually hear that chirping sound. Yes. Um, okay. And if you replace the batteries and you clean it out and it's still chirping that's a sign that it's just not working okay properly they should be anymore. tested too right you should test you them. should test your smoke alarms yeah. once a month yep just to make sure that they are in good working order okay yeah um how about uh, carbon monoxide detectors um, susan those as well are yeah. incredibly important you know carbon monoxide is the is called the silent killer because you can't taste, see, smell, hear it. So you really want to make sure you have adequate detection in your home so that if you have any levels of CO that you're aware and you can 
treat it. Yep. And are there uh, codes regarding placement of the CO detectors as well? Yeah, they're, they're similar okay. to um, smoke alarms. Okay. What about the combo units, the smoke they slash have, CO? Yes, they have those as well, and those are great. Those are okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. So there's lots of information I know on your website. All that, inf everything we've talked about is on our website. Yep. And lots of resources too, things like checklists and um, safety tip sheets that have a lot of really good information that's easy to follow and understand. Sure. All right. Anything else we should let folks know about right now? Um, I think it's really important for people to realize that fire is a risk in their lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, the good news is that home fires have declined over time. That's great. But sometimes because we don't see them as often, we think that they're not a, a risk factor in our yeah. lives, but they really are. So it's important to consider fire very seriously um, and make sure that you take the steps needed to reduce those risks. And by taking some simple steps, you really can greatly reduce risk of having a fire. Absolutely. Just a few uh, simple steps uh, and pre precautions can really a prevent way. a tragedy. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Great to talk to you, Susan. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having You're me. You're very welcome.